I've been getting in my steps, lifting weights, and now I'm trying really hard to get as much protein as I can. That's why I'm excited about trying Clean Simple Eats because they're just that, clean and simple. Their protein powder is always grass-fed with no seed oils or artificial ingredients. It's third-party tested and non-GMO and gluten-free. They've got 26 delicious all-natural flavors. You really can't go wrong with any of them. They've got Simply Vanilla and other unique flavors like cookies and cream, caramel toffee, and even cinnamon roll. I have a feeling my entire family may just like Clean Simple Eats protein powder, and they're probably going to use it every day because it's so easy to put into your milk or a recipe my daughter loves to bake or in a smoothie, which my son loves to drink almost every day. You can It's amazing really in any form. Visit cleansimpleeats.com and use the code ASKLISA20 at checkout for 20% off your first order. That's cleansimpleeats.com with the code ASKLISA20 for 20% off your first order. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is Ask Lisa, a podcast to help people understand the psychology of parenting. Psychologist Dr. Lisa Damore, author of two New York Times best-selling parenting books, takes your questions. And I'm co-host Rena Ninen, a journalist and mom of two. Some of what we talk about comes from raising children ourselves. Most of the time, I'll be getting answers to your parenting questions. So send your questions to asklisa at drlisademore.com. Episode 84, how do I encourage my tween to drop a bad friendship? You know what I love in the start of school? I loved when you're starting to kind of make new friends and you don't know what the school year might be. And it's kind of exciting. I miss that. I don't, you don't have that in the work world. Yeah, no, it's true, right? Like, you're like, who's going to be in the lunchroom and where are they going to array themselves and who am I sitting with, right? It's both exciting and I think terrifying for a lot of kids. Yeah, um, right now, work from home is just me and the dog at lunch. Yeah, yeah, no, it's there's some there's some comfort and pleasure in, <laughs> in not having to worry about who you're going to hang out with at lunch every day. You know, that's, a, that's a tough thing to have to yeah. worry about. And we got this letter. What do you do when your kid is in a friend group you just really don't like? And here's what the letter says. Dear Dr. Lisa, I'm worried about my sixth grade daughter's social situation. She spends a lot of time with a friend who makes her feel bad. And it's clear that my daughter is feeling ready to move on. At the same time, I know that she's worried that she'll lose all of her other friends in the process. How do I help her end a bad friendship without becoming socially isolated? Oof. What stands out to you about this letter? What do you think this mom should do? Um. Oh, this is such a good question, Rena. And I think... It's one of those, I mean, sixth grade is such a prime time for this kind of concern where a kid's like, eh, it's not really working for me anymore, Mm -hmm. and yet we're in the same network, so how do I get myself out of it, but not all the way out of it, so I don't lose (laughs) all my other friends. I mean, it just, what I love about this letter is that it so immediately recognizes how different kid friendships are from adult friendships, or school friendships are from 
our adult friendships because you know you and I are just saying like eh, you know you have lunch with the dog like it's fine um as adults we don't tend to have our friendships in these like elaborated networks like we have like this friend here and that friend there and maybe a few times we've got a group of friends but for kids especially at school all of this is happening in this complex web and so if there's a kid that is a problem for you for any variety of reasons it's not like you can just sort of like stop engaging with them because they are at your lunch table, right? Right. Or they're invited to all the same stuff you're invited to. And so, you know, this is a a tough question that is very real. And I think so often as parents, and this parent is not doing this, but as parents, when we hear about this, we're like, well, just stop hanging out with her. And the kid's like, oh, would that it were so easy, right? Right, right. So is there such a thing to drop a friend and be able to move on cleanly? Well, it's interesting because what this calls to mind is an episode from last season about my kid got dropped by her. Right. Right, crew. Yeah. And I think that episode, we could probably call it like how not to drop a kid. And and so let's start with this letter with how we wouldn't want this sixth grade girl to go about this. And I have seen kids do, which is they don't want to be in the friendship anymore with the kid who's in their group. And so they start to align the entire group against that child Mm. so as to excise the child while keeping all the other friends. I think that's often what happens when a kid is dropped unceremoniously from a group is that someone in the group is like, I feel done with this friendship, but I don't want to lose all these other kids in the bargain, so we're going to do a gang up. Okay, so that's how Uh, not to do it. Okay, okay. Right? And and it's interesting to think about this question coming from the other side because that, you know, we're hearing both sides of a story that happens a lot in schools where kids want to drop somebody or they are the one who gets dropped. And it's tricky. So the first thought I have is that this parent probably needs to empathize a lot with this kid about how hard it is to be in a situation where there's someone that they hang out with a fair bit who's part of their network that they don't want to hang out with anymore. I think there's going to be value in the parent making space for the kid to talk about what that's like and asking, like, so how does this play out at lunch? And how does this play out in math class? And how, like, just letting the kid think it through out loud without the parent jumping in with like, okay, so here's how you're going to get yourself out Mm -hmm. of this. Like, just sitting in that space with the child and being curious, you know, is the kid always annoying or does the kid always make you feel bad? Or are there times when it's working okay? Like, there's texture in this, Rena. There's this is probably not a totally straightforward situation and we'd want to know more. It's interesting you're saying ask them about the friendship. You know, a lot of times kids just don't want to talk to you. They just shut down. But why is that important to ask? Well, here's my experience as a clinician and I would say and also as a parent, though I try to keep the two <laughs> somewhat <laughs> separated as much as I can. The more you know, the better your advice is going to be. And this parent knows something, which is that this is a friend who makes her kid feel bad. And that's a really important piece of information. And and that's a piece of information that that really matters, right? That this kid has tuned into the fact that it feels bad to be in this relationship and is making a good judgment that like, you know what, this is an optional relationship. I probably don't have to stay in it. Like we'd want to support all of that. But having spent a lot of time around a lot of kids, I also know 
that it is very rare that a kid is always hard to be around or always wonderful to be around. Mm -hmm. And I have a strong gut sense that this sixth grader would not have become friends with this child if it weren't sometimes good with that kid. Mm -hmm. And I think the parent will be much better positioned to coach the sixth grader out of this friendship. And I think that is something that can happen. If the parent is working with a fuller picture of when the kid is fun or when it Mm -hmm. does feel fun to be with this kid or what are some good times that the sixth grader has really can cherish with this kid. Like you want to get the whole story because you'll give better advice. And also there's going to be some sadness about letting go of someone you've been friends with for a long time, even if it is somewhat hurtful to be with that friend. And you're not going to be able to really help the child address the sadness if you're not acknowledging that there are some qualities of this kid that have been really enjoyable or sometimes that have been really fun. You know, it's not just friends. I think about like boyfriend or girlfriend. You you want to also help your child be able to identify like, if someone's make, not making you feel good, it's not worth the good times if most of them are making you down. Is there language? Are there phrases or something that you can, as you're, you said, coaching this this child out of a, a bad friendship? What are things that a child can say to help them stand their ground? Because sometimes it could be just a bossy friend who calls all the shots and and your child wants to be part of the group so badly, they go along with it. How do you counter? Well, this is so interesting, this question you're asking, because I think one way the parent might be able to help a little bit is to see if the friend wouldn't benefit from some feedback. Right? Because if if I'm going Ooh. with this idea that there's, in, you know... The teenage the, years, they don't want feedback, right? Well, it the, gets them to turn sometimes on their friends. It could be ugly, right? And so, so but I would want to explore the possibility. Like, if the parent's like, tell me more about what this kid does that feels bad, right? If the, you know, if the sixth grader can talk about it. Then the parent might say, what would happen if you said to her, ouch, that hurts, or that makes me feel bad? Like, like mm. really kind of play that out. Like, what would happen if... And if the sixth grader's like, oh, that would not work, <laughs> like that would yeah. make it way worse, then we need to honor that. Like, because they understand, they have access to nuances and data that we will never have. But I do wonder, given that there is this risk or this worry about losing the whole friend group, I do wonder, is it worth a college try to give this kid a little feedback in a really gentle, kind way and see if that doesn't make an adjustment. Like, see if that doesn't actually make having this kid in the group or staying friends with this kid a lot more doable. Like, so I think that that's in there. But, Rena, you were talking about boyfriends and bad boyfriends. And I will tell you, what it made me think about when you were talking about that is, you know, clinically sometimes I have cared for a young woman Mm -hmm. who's describing a relationship that just sounds awful, right? Or just doesn't sound like, good enough at all for her. And one of the hardest things to do as a therapist is not to be like, you need to break this off. (laughs) I mean, like, it's very obvious. Girlfriend, I've seen this coming. (laughs) Yeah, like, get out now. Get out now. And I'll tell you the reason we don't clinically is that we know that there may be a part of that patient I'm taking care of who's complaining about the boyfriend in my office But there's another part that is drawn to that boyfriend and continuing to date him. And the minute I take the, you know what, you need to get out of this relationship Mm -hmm. side of things, what I'm basically doing is I'm forcing the patient into the, but you don't understand side 
of things. And now my patient and I are at odds. And that's not a good place to be. Mm. So the way we handle this clinically, and then we can think about the, you know, kitchen version of this. But the way we handle this clinically is that we try to observe both sides of the conflict in the patient themselves. So I would say, here's what's really interesting. You're here telling me about how painful it is to be in this relationship with this guy, and yet you continue to hang out with him. How do you understand that? Mm. Right? So I ask them to wrestle with the conflict. So this letter writer is saying, my kid's done. My kid's ready to be out. But I think that may be 100% true. I'm not sure, you know, I think that's why I was like, ask more, find out more. Because if there's ambivalence in the kid, you're going to want to surface that and say like, you know, you say you don't want to hang out with her, but you also keep inviting her along with everybody else. Explain that to me, right? Like you just want all of those details on the surface as this kid is trying to work her way through this mm. internal conflict. Mm. So how do you sort of drop a friend without losing all the friends? Okay, right. So this is, okay, so let's say the kid's like, no, I am done. I have no ambivalence. Like, I, you know, yeah, it was good, but it's not good anymore. And I don't really want to hang out with this kid. And yet I don't want to lose my group. So I think what I would then coach as a as the adult in this, having asked a lot, knowing a lot, really texturized this with a lot more information and being curious, is then to say, okay, how can you accomplish a polite distance from this one kid while still tolerating the fact that she's probably going to be in your group or you're not going to be able to be entirely done with her? So polite distance is the magic phrase here, Hmm. which is you are allowed to remove yourself a little bit, but you got to be nice about it. You cannot talk bad about her, talk bad to her, align kids against her, start rumors about her. That's what, you know, that's the kind of stuff Mm -hmm. kids sometimes pull. You got to be polite, but you are allowed to be quite a bit more aloof. Mm. So that would be, I think, the first step in this. Mm. We're going to pause and take a quick break. And then we're going to ask Lisa on the other side about what other things parents can do when trying to help their kids out of a bad friendship. Earth Breeze Eco Sheets look just like a dryer sheet, But instead of being a dryer sheet, they're in fact an ultra-concentrated, liquidless laundry detergent. It's really the best of all worlds. EarthBreeze is tough on stains and odors, while being kind to the planet and to your skin. Personally, I get a huge kick out of using EarthBreeze. I love the fact that it takes up less space, is better for the environment, and yet it leaves my clothes smelling so good and it gets them so clean. Here's the bottom line. Making a positive impact in the world doesn't have to come at a cost to you. My clothes are clean, they smell great, and I feel like I actually did something good, not just for my laundry, but also for the earth. Right now, my listeners can receive 40% off EarthBreeze just by going to earthbreeze.com slash asklisa. That's earthbreeze.com slash asklisa to cut out single-use plastic in your laundry room and claim 40% off your subscription. earthbreeze.com slash asklisa. This message is sponsored by Greenlight. We spend a lot of time teaching our kids please and thank you. But one thing I've realized I haven't spent a lot of time teaching my children is how to be financially responsible. We started using the Greenlight app and it's made a difference in helping them have that conversation about money and to really understand how it can affect their lives. Greenlight's a debit card and a money app that's made for families. I can send money to my kids, keep an eye on their spending and their savings, 
I didn't think I would need this app, but my kids are absolutely loving it. And they're getting the concept of what it means to save. I love the lessons they're learning. I love the games they're playing. I love that they are being educated at a younger age that you need to learn how to save. Sign up for the Greenlight app today and get your first month free when you go to greenlight.com slash asklisa. That's greenlight.com slash asklisa to try Greenlight for free. Greenlight.com slash asklisa. I'm all for healthy habits, but I don't trust quick fixes. This is why I love Daily Harvest. They take all of the work out of eating well, and all I have to do is enjoy. Daily Harvest makes it so easy for me to eat in the nutritious and delicious ways that I like. They take the planning, the prep, the cleanup out of cooking, and they deliver meals that are packed with vegetables and fruits straight to my door. The other thing I love about them is that it's not the same old boring meals. I love their dragon fruit and lime smoothie. I also love their butternut squash and rosemary soup. They also have this wonderful herb squash and asparagus risotto. Create healthy habits that last with Daily Harvest. For a limited time only, go to dailyharvest.com slash asklisa to get $30 off your first box plus free shipping. That's dailyharvest.com slash asklisa for $30 off your first box and free shipping. dailyharvest.com slash asklisa. Welcome back to Ask Lisa, the Psychology of Parenting podcast. We're talking about how to help kids get out of bad friendships. Lisa, in your experience, what else do you think parents can do to really help in the situation? Well, we've got this polite distance idea. And if this played out ideally, right, which it never will, but if it played out ideally, um, you know, this kid would be a little bit more aloof. The other kid would kind of get the message, you know, that they would spend less time together. And when they had to be together, it would be with lots of other kids around. So maybe it wouldn't be a problem. That's not often how easy it is. Yeah. And one of the things that I hear about a lot, and I could picture in a scenario like this, is where one kid feels done and the other kid continues to text and say, do you want to come over? Or can I come over? Or, you know, where there's a lot of asking and asking and direct, you know, like, let's get together. And I was, um, I've heard parents talk about like, oh my gosh, it sometimes feels like there's a kid with a stranglehold on my kid, you know, like that they're always reaching out and my kid doesn't want it anymore. And my kid, you know, is trying to not be mean and doesn't want to be harsh with this kid, but does not want to hang out, right? That can be really delicate. So if that's happening I think one strategy that can help is to blame the parent. You know, to be like, <laughs> we're really busy tonight, I'm sorry. You know, yeah, or my mom's yeah. got something going on, I'm sorry. And answering, right, re- yeah. re- getting back to the kid and not necessarily promising I'll call you when I'm free. What I often see kids do is they feel super awkward. They, you know, the kid who, you know, is wants the friendship will say like, can you come over to my house or do you want to do something later? And what I've seen kids do for lack of a better strategy is they'll say, um, okay, sure. And then they'll cancel at the last minute. Yeah, right. Or they won't respond at all. And I've cared for the kid on the other side of that who's like, it's super weird. Like I'm texting her and asking her over and she's not even replying. And I'm like, oof, like I get that, but it's not really okay. So another strategy I think that sometimes kids need is to say, Oh, you know, we're really tied up. I'll let you know thing when I'm when I've got some more time or something yeah, like that. Yeah. And then leave it open but give an answer, but blaming parents can be really helpful here. 
Yeah. I guess I want to ask also the reverse, like what not to do when you're trying to extricate your child from a bad friendship. So one thing I would not do, though it can be very tempting, is talk about it in the community or talk about it with other parents, you know, and and I think that's really tricky, um, that it's really hard when a kid is hurting our kid. And, you know, that's really like that's right there in the letter, right? My kid doesn't want to be friends with a kid anymore because it, it's painful to be in this relationship. And I'll tell you, Rena, like I have had this happen as a parent where you're aware of a kid who's hurt your kid. And I don't know, have you ever had that where you're like, oh, that kid was not nice to my kid? Have you have you had that happen? Well, when you know your kid doesn't feel good about something, what it could be that somebody's better in sports and makes them feel bad or whatever the case might be. I just find it's hard when your child is suffering and does not feel good and has to spend a lot of time around this kid at school. Yeah, no, it's really painful. And sometimes, though, kids are flat out mean. Like, I've seen kids yeah. be flat out mean. And the parents are aware of it. Either they've witnessed it or they believe it. And I will tell you, it's really hard as an adult to not talk bad about the kid who has hurt your kid. Right. Like, I mean, I think it gets right. to something very kind of primitive in us where we're just yeah. like, oh, my God. Like, you know, um, yeah. like that little mean girl, right? <laughs> and and so, so I would say the first thing to do anytime, if you can help it, is if a kid hurts your kid, like talk about it in the confines of your home, but do everything you can to not badmouth that kid in your community, even if you're really angry at that kid, which you very well might be. And and the reason for this is, first of all, like it's just better not to. It's just like, you know, in terms of just not spreading yuck in the world. But the other thing is like kids grow and change a lot. And it's not unusual for the kid who's the spiciest, you know, in fifth and sixth grade and maybe a challenge to be around to really like blossom in the coolest ways in seventh and eighth or ninth and become like these really positive leaders and these really super kids. And I always just want to give kids a lot of room to grow and change because I see kids grow and change so much. So I would say one thing I would not want this parent to do if they can help it is to get on the horn and talk about this difficult child with anybody else. I, I, it's tempting, but I, I think the better not to, much better not to. So many of the things as parents that you want to, we want to impart to our kids are so many things before they go off to college, but knowing how to make good friends and identify them and stay away from the toxic ones, like what do you find in your experience, Lisa, that really works in getting kids to understand that so they don't end up in the wrong crowd? Yeah, yeah. So what I love about this letter is, I think the way it was framed is that this is a kid who makes my kid feel bad, right? Mm -hmm. And so my kid wants out. And so whatever else happens with how this unfolds, or you know, and there's so many variables and it can unfold 400 ways. I love that this kid has tuned into the fact that being around this kid makes me feel lousy and I don't want to do this. And the more that can get unpacked and talked about at home of like, you know, the parents saying, it's so good of you to notice what it feels like to be in somebody else's presence. Like that's such powerful information. And you're going to want to always listen to that, you know, and and I think about um, how in life, you know, 
anyone we're with brings to the surface different aspects of ourselves and different feelings about what it's like to be in their presence. And you know how, you know how sometimes you've been at a party, this happens to me where I'm at a party and someone starts talking to me and I'm like, oh, I got to get out of this. Oh, yes. I got to get out of this. Like, yes. <laughs> like, like I need like, to use a restroom, right? Oh my God, the worst. Right? Like this instant gut sense of like, this isn't like, I don't want to be here. And then you know how there's other people you get around them and you're like, oh my gosh, like, they're so, like, I so feel good in their presence. I so enjoy their company, right? Mm. Like, this is such powerful data. And the earlier and more often kids learn to tune into this and to trust this, um, the better. And so this tricky relationship does open the door to really good conversations about things like that. Mm. Is there anything else you think the mom or girl here can do in this situation? I do wonder about a backup plan for this girl. What do you mean? So the real worry in this letter is not about moving out of this friendship. It's the worry that the friendship may cost her the whole friend group, right? That she may actually end up socially isolated. Right. And so I presume this is like, you know, a networked group of kids. And so maybe she accomplishes a polite distance from the child and the rest of the group is like, you're not being cool to so-and-so. Like, we're going to all accomplish a polite distance from you, right? Like, that would be very scary. So one of the things I think is really, really valuable for kids, especially in middle school, is to have like a second string of friendships, right? As, as oh. like a backup plan. Wow. And kids do this in different ways. Some kids have like the kids on their block that they're friends with or grew up with. Some kids have a really good network of cousins that are around the same age or near. Some kids use their church community for this, mm. where they're part right. of a religious group where there's mm-hmm. that network. Um, some kids use their camp friends. Like I, you know, I'm aware of kids who go to summer camp far away from where they live, but stay in communication all year round with their kids, friends from camp, you know, by text. And so I actually think with or without a delicate situation like this, you want your kid to not have all of their friendship eggs in one basket. They should have one egg in some other basket somewhere just in case something goes wrong. So I would wonder about as a as a sort of a, a, a good set of insurance here, a, a little bit of insurance here, if, if the parent might want to look at other ways that if this all just totally goes si- sideways, right, and does not go well, and maybe this kid who th- you're, this child's trying to distance themselves from, like, really retaliates and takes everyone with her, I'd love to think that she might have some other buddies that she could connect with. Wow, that's interesting. So even if your summer friends are camp friends that you hang out with for a week or two, or your cousins live halfway across the country, that having those friendships where they can reach out to, you always say you just need one really good friend and it doesn't have Mm -hmm. to be your friend in school. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, the other nice thing about those networks is I've seen kids use those networks to get support around something they're struggling with in their home network. And as much as I don't want, I would not want this sixth grader to talk about it, you know, I'm so annoyed with so-and-so with everyone else who's right there in the same group. I think that that can be, you know, really problematic. There's real benefit if she can get on the phone with her cousins and be like, oh my gosh, there's this girl in my class who's like really making it hard. 
because the cousins may live in another state, not know this kid, may never interact with that kid. And so I think about it as like taking the trash out and you're like taking it all the way out. You're not spreading the trash around in your own community. So the backup friendships can be useful even when every, even if she doesn't get pushed out of this group, having a place where she can vent and dump about it without causing more trouble in her own community, I think, can be nice. But then also if things go sideways and she feels isolated, having the backup friendships can be useful that way, too. Mm. That's really good. So there's so much here to unpack. So I guess the bottom line is you can really help your child find a way by talking it through out of friendships that might not be making them feel good. You can. You can. And it's a really valuable thing to do together. And I would just ask a lot of questions and spend some real time with it. Don't assume that the solutions that would work for adults are going to work for kids. That's good. So what do you have for us, Lisa, for parenting to go? Um, one of the things I see kids get hung up on sometimes is what I would call a disjuncture between their front stage and their backstage. So the front stage is what we show the world, what the world gets to know about what we're thinking. And the backstage is all that is actually going on inside of us. And so sometimes I've seen kids get hung up in these moments where they feel like, if I don't like her or if I have a problem with her, I'm being two-faced if I don't tell her. They feel like the front stage and the backstage have to match perfectly. Right. And I think it can be helpful to disabuse kids of this notion that there are times when we decide we're done with something, but we do not owe somebody full disclosure. Hmm. Where we're, in our minds, we're like, you know what, this isn't working. I don't like this anymore. I don't want to do it anymore. And it's not going to benefit me. It's not going to go well to lay it all out. So we can talk about their backstage experience at great length at home while encouraging them to go to school, be outwardly polite, be maybe a little bit more aloof than they were, but letting them know that's not being two-faced. That's actually being diplomatic and careful in these moments um, and that they are allowed to have thoughts and feelings that they keep to themselves so long as they conduct themselves in a polite and dignified way out in public. Mm. Hadn't thought of that. And um, it's interesting to help them think through why that's not being two-faced. Yeah. No, kids will call it that, like you're being fake or toothpaste and like, no, no, no. Adults all the time have moments where we have colleagues or relatives where we're like, hi, but inside (laughs) we're thinking something else. And we don't feel that we need to actually use full disclosure any more than kids should feel. They have to use full disclosure. That's a great point. That's a great point. So next week, Lisa, we're going to talk about how do you help kids when they lose it, when they make a sports mistake? I'll see you next week. See you next week, Rena. Thanks for joining us. Be sure to subscribe to the Ask Lisa podcast so you get the episodes just as soon as they drop. And send us your questions to asklisa at drlisademore.com. And now a word from our lawyers. The advice provided on this podcast does not constitute or serve as a substitute for professional psychological treatment, therapy, or other types of professional advice or intervention. If you have concerns about your child's well-being, consult a physician or mental health professional. If you're looking for additional resources, check out Lisa's website at drlisademore.com. We'll see you next week.